from a bunker in beautiful Potchester, the Bronx. It's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey everyone, welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news of the week from the safety of their quarantines. I'm your host, Tom Brennan. Sure, COVID's over, but why not quarantine yourself in this horrible world? I think that was maybe the best part of the pandemic. We all realized it's great to stay home. Uh, a couple bits of business before we get into the show. First off, Monday, March, uh, wait, is it six? Yeah, Monday, March 6, 7 p.m., Gotham Comedy Club. Please come on out and we'll be doing uh, some stand-up as part of their new talent showcase, which is a generous title. Uh, and then Friday, March 31st, Electoral Dysfunction returns to the stage in the great city of Philadelphia as part of the Crossroads Comedy uh, Theater's Class Clowns Comedy Fest. So tickets for those are available in the show description. Uh, so I wanted to hop on today. <clears throat> we are recording this on Saturday, February 25th. Yeah, February 25th. And we are a year from the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, uh, famous, of course, for creating at least one person that Rocky Balboa knocked out. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about that invasion. And when we when it comes to talking about invasions, there's only one person we can talk to. Uh oh G.I. Jew himself, uh, pride of the United States Army, terrific comedian, Benari Polton's back. Hey Benari, how are you? I am great. And of course, as always, uh, my opinions are my own and in no way reflect those of the United States Army, the Army Reserve, uh, the U.S. government, coalition forces, partners around the world, uh, and uh, people real or imagined. That's right. However, my opinions do, of course, 100 percent reflect those of the Coast Guard. Yes. So, with yes. that in mind, Coast Guard is not excited about that new Flash movie. Let me tell you. Yeah, uh, it's weird, but that's because they really fall under like the Department of Transportation or something weird like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, I believe at this point, the Coast Guard is the only is like because he's hiding on an island somewhere with the children he's kidnapped. The Coast Guard is hot on Ezra Miller's tail. They'll get him. Uh, you always get, get their man. Go get them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's get right. Them. Okay. Get all them. right. <laughs> Let's just be careful here. All um, right. Scumbags can be of all gender identities. That's right. That's what the future is. Oh, we can't mislabel scumbags. Anyway, uh, Benari, I want to talk about, like, I think a lot of noise, you know, anytime there's foreign policy, uh, Americans get confused. And with good reason, <laughs> we go sure. out of our way to make sure that we don't understand what's happening overseas at any given time. Uh, I'm not someone I know a lot of people who are like, oh, Americans are dumb and they aren't interested. I think Americans are very interested. And I think the system that governs us goes out of its way to keep us disinterested. <laughs> um, but I do yep. think in the last year, <laughs> I mean, uh, in the last year, there's been a lot of noise. Suddenly, Ukraine has become a weird political football. There's a lot of reasons to get into that. Uh, and a lot of reasons that we will get into. But I think I want to start. Let's start with just some of the facts. And the important fact here is this. A year ago, Russia invaded Ukraine unprovoked for zero reason. Like, I think, you know, the invasion of Iraq had more credibility than the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, like, at least Saddam Hussein um, yeah, I mean, was look, a warmongering but, but, uh, person out to destroy our allies. <laughs> Just he was passive about it. Yeah, I, I, from Vladimir Putin's perspective, uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, for no reason. And it wasn't necessarily out of the blue. He has been trying to manufacture and orchestrate this going back in 2014 when they annexed Crimea. Um, that was that was part of this. 
Um, the annexation of Crimea was all he could get away with in 2014 because he had put in place um, uh, his his troops. That's the um, most friendliest area of Ukraine that was um, Russian friendly and still had the strongest ties to uh, to pre um, <laughs> to pre post Soviet Union era Russia. Um, you know that uh, and and he had um, had a puppet regime which uh, was helped by people like Paul Manafort uh, get into power, uh, and their primary goal was to prevent Ukraine joining NATO because that was one of Putin's goals. And um, when you know th- this, this is really this, this is this has been a dream of Putin's since the Soviet Union fell. There's a saying in the foreign policy circles that Russia without Ukraine is a country. Russia with Ukraine is an empire. And that is Vladimir Putin's goal. Ukraine is very important strategically, but it's also very important spiritually to the Russian identity as a world power. It was Catherine the Great that really and not to do a like. Putin's trying to make Russia great again, but he's literally trying to make Russia great again. Um, <laughs> under Catherine the Great, when 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 they got when they got Ukraine, that's the, that is the golden age of the Russian Empire. That is the dream. That is the goal. Um, that's where like the wheat comes from. They have uh, the Black Sea. There's uh, the the ports um, along Crimea. There's strategic interest, um, but there there is uh, again that identity of hearkening back to the golden age of this is what it meant to be uh, a Russian. Well, yeah. And I think that's an important thing to think about. Like Ukraine, like, yes, there's the identity, there's the strategic points are good. There's a money, there's a financial interest in it too. Russia, the important thing to know, like Russia has a ton of money, but it doesn't have as much as it would like us to think it does. And there's not a lot of money coming in. Like that's basically the situation for Russia right now. And right. like, like 99% of their, of, of the Russian economy is based off them uh, scamming dumbasses in the United States out of real estate. Uh, <laughs> and may I also and may <laughs> also say um, the people and the training. A lot of the best soldiers that were in the Soviet Army came from Ukraine. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, and uh, you know, again, that because that was more of the the tip of the spear um, in in terms of stuff. But Ukrainians are very prideful. They are very proud of their Ukrainian heritage. Um, they were a country before Russia had them, you know, and and incorporated them into the Soviet Union. Um, they, when the Soviet Union fell, one of the reasons why Ukraine became such an immediate, strong, post-Soviet bloc country is because they already had the infrastructure in place to do that. They they have the culture, they have the the language, they have the heritage, um, and they have the pride in their country. Ukrainians believe in Ukraine. Ukrainians are proud to be from Ukraine and it's not. And the only reason we, we as Americans ever referred to it as the Ukraine is it was so important to Ukrainians when they were part of the Soviet union, that the Soviet union had to refer to it as the Ukraine part right. of the Soviet union. So it wasn't, so I mean, so it's large, but it's also like that Ukrainian identity has always been important to the majority of people in Ukraine. And knowing that, that makes it very interesting. I feel like the entirety of the foreign policy establishment, uh, you know, left, right, center, I don't think anyone would anticipate that a year later, Ukraine would be like 
I hesitate to say winning this war because, uh, but, but holding their own and like only because Russia has decided to change their strategic uh, approach to Ukraine to just be destroy all of their water supplies and power plants, which is evil and cruel, but you know, a smart way to hang in there in a war. It's what we, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the old 1990s Knicks defense really is what it yeah. is. Well, look, uh, and, and there's, there's, of, uh, there's no reason to think there was no reason for Vladimir Putin to think that he wouldn't be successful because when he did this with Crimea, Part of the reason he was able to get away with it was the president that the, the corrupt president that uh, that did his job for mm. Putin and prevented Ukraine from joining NATO. There was a revolt among the people. There was huge civil unrest. It exploded into uh, massive chaos. And in the middle of the night, that president fled the fucking country. He just fled the country. Never so Putin did. was able to come in and say like, hey, I'm bringing order and stability here. And uh, and Crimea was like, thank you. All right. Let's, you know, and they they held a sham vote. Right. And that gave the that gave the air quotes uh, pretense for Russia to say Crimea has voted to uh, to, right. to come yeah. back to Russia. Yeah. And so th the that was semi legitimate. This the choice in this instance, they had in that vote was between nice country you have here right? and shame if something were to happen to it. And so exactly. Voted, nice country you have here. <laughs> so then we have to look at like what the like then the the years following. Right. We had we had the former guy in charge um, who was like, yeah, take whatever you want, uh, you know, go do whatever you want. So who knows what kind of intel he was getting? I'm not convinced that all the intel Putin was getting from his American sources were on the up and up, um, you know, but we do know, but we do know what the sources were. And I don't know if I would, I would trust their judgment, but from Vladimir Putin's perspective, the U S was vulnerable in this area. The U S was distracted. The state department had been hollowed out. The department of defense was rebuilding. There was a lot of, there, there was a lot of chaos both behind the scenes, but also on the world stage. We were, we, you know, there was an insurrection in our capital. Um, we had a new president coming in. Uh, there was a there was a lot that and there was a president who from the people that would be briefing Vladimir Putin, like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and anyone at Fox News, were saying that the president was uh, Ava buttled. You know, he's not all there. Yeah. He, he he doesn't know what he's doing. You can you know, he's a weak president. And then the president of Ukraine is a former Jewish comedian. I mean, he's still right. Jewish, right. but he was a he's he's a, he's a Jewish, <laughs> Jewish comic in charge of the fucking country. Oh, right. poor Vladimir Putin's like, I got this. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> he, quit. I got he quit comedy. <laughs> he did not quit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can appreciate. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'd say like even those of us who, are, who didn't subscribe to those crazy right wing theories like, you know, Putin's good. Putin's got a good hype machine. He's got a military that, as I learned just before we started recording, uh, conscripted into service. So he's got an unlimited <laughs> supply. Unlimited uh, as long supply as young men keep being born, he's got an army. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and he's also like a dangerous actor on the world stage and the entire world. And to be fair, like, I think. You know, of course, uh, the partisan hack in me wants to say Democrats stand up to Putin uh, and Republicans didn't. Even Democrats, at least like we always stood up to him, you know, Obama and, you know, pre-invasion of Ukraine, Biden stood up to him, but still stood up with a very like, hey, don't cross this line and there won't be trouble. Not we're going to fuck you up, Putin, because no one wants to fight with Vladimir Putin because he's crazy. But look, this is this is this is part of the whole because there was all the talk of the reset button. There was a reason why the 
the U.S. kept trying to um, use diplomatic channels to deal with Vladimir Putin and Russia. And you'll recall under the Obama administration, um, there was one person in the Obama administration who was a hawk on fighting Vladimir Putin. And this was when he had his election, which was there was a lot of irregularities and a lot of people uh, thought that it was illegitimate. The person who was calling for the strongest response was Hillary Clinton. Oh, it was yeah. Hillary Clinton Wait as, a minute. as Secretary of State. <laughs> so Vladimir Putin had a special hatred for her yeah. because she had his number. And, yeah. and part of why she had his number is that, you know, they dealt with Vladimir Putin in the Clinton administration. They they went from Yeltsin to Putin and yeah. knew the difference and knew what he was after. But there's there's another key piece of this, and this is why the U.S. stands so strongly with Ukraine. We promised them we would with the nuclear uh, – uh, when we had uh, the sign that the um, – we were – the anti-nuclear proliferation treaties that were signed with all the world powers – back in the 90s to get rid of all the nukes involved Ukraine because when the Soviet Union fell, Russia had all the codes, but the physical nukes were in Ukraine because Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. And Ukraine was like, we're keeping your fucking nukes. And the, and, and the Russians were like, oh, we can't sign a we can't sign an anti-nuclear proliferation act if if the Ukraine gets to keep the nukes, but we have to give up the codes. This isn't fair. So we negotiated this whole deal with them. And Ukraine in the 90s their stance was, well, if you're not if we're not part of NATO, there is nothing protecting us. We have no protections against Russian aggression. And the US said, okay, we'll sign, we'll sign a, a, a promissory. It's like a, you know, we made we made a promise vow. Right. And and we said, <laughs> look, if Russia we and, and like we, like Ukraine. And we, and we joined with NATO partners and said, even though Ukraine isn't part of NATO, we will still defend. Ukraine from Russian aggression and will and will support them in any way that we can short of, you know, a full on NATO response, i.e. World War Three. Right. That promise still holds. This is exactly what they said would happen. And now it's happening. So Russia's invading. And we were like, hey, you remember you guys said you if you're not part and that's why that's why Putin was so against Ukraine joining NATO because there's a whole nother, you know on the international stage there's a whole separate set of um uh you know there's another process that goes through it that that was why um a, a stray missile killing someone in Poland has massive repercussions because Poland is a NATO country mm. that means now you violated all sorts of international treaties and now that's actually grounds for war Right. Um, so that's why that's why there had to be a lot of there had to be. That's why Biden should get a lot of credit for the diplomatic solution that they came up with. Yeah. To to make sure that, you know, it didn't escalate into something larger at that point. Yeah. And I think that's that's an important thing to 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 talk about here, because I think so many times you know, a thing I've heard a lot about in the pushback is like so ma- there are so many like bad actors on the world stage. Other countries get invaded, you know, every day. Maybe that's a stretch. But, you know, there are. You have smaller countries, there's constant border conflicts. And the question is always like, oh, why should we care so much about this one thing? You know, is it, you know, what are the reasons behind it? Who benefits from that? And I think an important thing to note here is like, yes, we should support Ukraine because morally it's right. And uh, and because we promised we would. Uh, part of why we promised we would 
is you you had a key word there uh, or a key couple words there that I want to talk about. Uh, World War Three. Historically, when a fascist European, <laughs> I guess U.S., I guess Russia's Europe, uh, when a fascist European dictator invades another country and is allowed to get away with it, it has not turned out great for the entire planet. And That's when you right. add in, like, exactly as we talked about, the strategic importance of Ukraine, uh, these issues with nuclear missiles and the right, this is, this is, this is, you know, what's happening right here is Putin's last gasp at becoming, you know, the most powerful, com- powerful country in the world again. And that's bad for everyone. All right. I'm yes. not saying the current world order is terrific and working out for all players. It's got a lot of problems, but it's really bad if Putin takes, if Putin has that power again. Exactly your point. I think something Biden has done very smartly in the last year has been uh, pull a France during the revolution, which is to say, send support to someone who's enemy, but let them prove that they can fight this fight on their own. Turns out they can. Uh, Turns out they don't really need our help except for the weapons and the infrastructure. Yeah, Uh, look, look, we can we can discuss how much help we give them. One of the reasons why Ukraine was so prepared for this is because as soon as Biden came into look. This looks very different with the Republican president. I'm just going to be straight up. Specifically, um, specifically one, the last president. But but president, I'm going to say, Trump. look, <laughs> if you're listening to to Fox News, you know Vladimir the in the days before Vladimir Putin invaded, Tucker Carlson literally had uh, uh you know his his on air op ed about what's so bad about Putin? We should love this guy. Why are the people saying that he's so bad? And it's like I believe he, they accused Jewish comedian <laughs> Vladimir Zelensky of being anti-Semitic at a certain point yeah. to try and prove so, that, that this so, is the right thing to do. So what we're looking at is this anti-democratic movement that's not just happening in the U.S., it's happening on the world stage. You mm-hmm. have a lot of strong men coming to power, a lot of autocrats, a lot of would-be dictators coming to power in countries, taking powers in some countries that are on the cusp of losing the democratic process or, or, or just watching their democracy evaporate um, in the hands of these autocrats. And we, we would, we're witnessing it here in the U S and it's not just a U.S. problem. This is a world problem, but nothing has crystallized this clearer than the battle between Ukraine and Russia. So in terms mm. of the optics of what we're actually, the existential crisis we as Americans are facing as, are we going to maintain our our democracy are we going to be able to to hold our democracy together that's that's also the question for ukraine is democracy itself powerful enough to defeat these autocratic strong men and yeah. and what 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 biden was able to do coming into office was give ukraine the support that they needed behind the scenes and in front of the cameras um, give them the diplomatic support, give them the strategic support, but give them, as you said, the weapons and the, you know, the, uh, the training and the, uh, the, all the, all the, all the military support that one could need. And as opposed to some other, I'll say, uh, uh, nation building exercises we we've uh, we've <laughs> undertaken again ukraine was like anyone's opinion <laughs> ukraine the ukrainians are like they they're like yeah we will fight for this country this isn't a made-up country that you guys gave us this is our country yeah. so we we 
they have the spirit to fight for it. They have the desire to fight for it. And that's, I think, the X factor here. Yeah. We've given them our support. And they said, that's all. That's really what we need. What we need yeah. is your support so we can do our job. No one needs to save us. Ukrainians can save themselves. And that's yeah. also an important part of this because that gives them a sense of, of national pride. That gives yeah. them a sense of, um, of true ownership of their country. And it's a huge, huge humiliation for Putin on the world stage. He's been he's been revealed to be a paper tagger. We've spent a decade cowering in fear. What's the big bad Vladimir Putin going to do? This guy looks like a he's strategically an idiot. Yeah, he is uh, tactically moronic and uh, has been humiliated by, uh, uh, you know, a Jewish comedian who's in charge of the country who stood up to him more than any of these other fucking world leaders would. So. You know, big win for Jewish comedians. I got to yeah. say, really Bin- good for the very rare instance where this is good for the Jews. <laughs> Benari launching his Senate campaign in California this week. Uh, no, yeah, and I think that's important. I also think like Zelensky is a very, you know, proven himself to be a very smart leader, you know, and you can look back to uh, a fun, very perfect phone call he had with Donald Trump, uh, where he also like also a very smart leader because knows in that call he does he does it without antagonizing the president of the United States, who even when it was Donald Trump was still incredibly powerful. He was like, uh, we'll get back to you on that Biden thing. But again, we could use some weapons. Well, no, Zelensky's job on that phone call was to get the president of the United States to release the aid that Congress had approved that the president was holding up illegally. illegally holding up. So Zelensky's job as president was to to like you said, not antagonize president, but to get the president to do the legal thing. Very, very cool and very legal. Very cool. Very legal. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe he was president. (laughs) I think about this every day. (laughs) No, that we can never undo that. That happened. Yeah, Look, that happened. Ted Cruz as president would be a less embarrassing situation <laughs> for our history. Uh, anyway, uh, so I want to talk about, um, you know, politics playing a role in foreign policy is not new. Sure. And it goes on both sides. You and I both uh, in 2004 uh, hit the streets of Pennsylvania to fight for a scrappy senator from Massachusetts named John Kerry who famously uh, said many times during that campaign, we shouldn't be building firehouses in Baghdad. We should be building them in America. Uh, And uh, like that's and I say that to say that like this, you know, there's part of this criticizing the president for caring about foreign policy when, you know, disasters are happening at home. That is normal. Like it's part Mm -hmm. of the norms. It's part of the, the political process. You know, it shouldn't be normal. It's kind and it is it is somewhat of a stain on both sides if the president is in the right foreign policy wise that we get into these fights. But like, and also I think it's ridiculous too, because, you know, yes, I think we spend too much money in defense spending. Yes. I think we spend too much money in weapons, but ultimately uh, the water in Flint isn't bad because we're spending money in Ukraine. Uh, You know, it's not, you know, the, the train crash in East Palestine didn't happen because we're spending money in Ukraine. No, it's Uh, happened because we didn't spend the money that was dedicated and uh, fought for under the Obama administration to go into, uh, updating and overhauling um, uh, regulations. And then the Trump administration deregulated all of that. Um, They were warned in 2017, 2018, that something like this could happen. Um, And uh, if you just let the private companies just run rampant and, and especially because you're talking about interstate travel and uh, this, this wasn't, this shouldn't have been a surprise. This is the, what happened in East Palestine is a failure of, of, 
deregulation policy. Right. Yes. And uh, and 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 you know across the board from from the way we handle toxic transportation of toxic material to the the terrible infrastructure of our of our public transportation. Yeah. And uh, as we were talking before, the governor did explicitly ask the president not to come because it is a drain of resources when the president shows up in these places. Having said that, uh, I'll I'll be bipartisan. I think Secretary Buttigieg could have gotten there a little sooner. But we'll come back to that another time. Um, It wouldn't have solved everything. But, you know, it would have been nice if he got there before Donald Trump went to a McDonald's and then said to everyone, have a great time, everybody. (laughs) Enjoy your Trump water. Still on on message all these years later. All right. Everyone have a good time, he says, to a town full of people who are complaining of mysterious headaches and looking at dead fish on their ground. Look, no, you're you're right, though. You never you never want to be in the position where people are saying, why didn't you fill in the blank? Like, why didn't you get there? Why didn't you go there? Where are you? Like, you don't want people looking for you. And I do think, like, you know, I think it's fair to say, like, but I agree with, like, I don't know if that necessitated a presidential visit that would drain resources. You know, it doesn't 100 percent fall under under Pete's uh, uh, portfolio, but some of it does. And he is a very present member of that, a very, very visible member of that administration. I think he should have gone sooner. But coming back to, to the to the co-op here. So this week. You know, we we heard a lot of criticism of Biden being in Ukraine, but not in East Palestine. You know, Governor Ron DeSantis, a guy who is uh, the front runner for the Republican nomination until he opens his mouth. Uh, if you ever hear that guy talk, it is amazing to me that he's actually guy... not. The, I mean, the front runner is still Trump. He's yeah. the front runner for the guy that's going to lose to Donald Trump is yes. what he is. Yeah, it's fascinating to me that everyone's like, he's going to beat Trump. Like, no, he isn't. That guy's got guy Trump can beat the hell out of written all over him. Like, yeah, remember, literally remember the when only Rick... good thing in yeah. that 2016 election was the only positive thing Donald Trump did. And I mean this sincerely, was just abject humiliate a bunch of leaders who I loathe. Scott Walker, uh, Rick Perry. These were the future of the Republican Party. Marco Rubio. I don't like Donald Trump and I never will, but I will always appreciate that he humiliated Ted Cruz in public for the better part of a year and a half. (laughs) Well, he revealed them to be the hateful, spiteful party of bullshit that they are. They They have no guiding philosophy anymore. Yeah, their their philosophy is power. Their, their philosophy, philosophy power. their philosophy is power, um, and that is it at any cost. And to that point, you know, they're they're out here criticizing Joe Biden made a surprise visit to the Ukraine. The criticism came in, and why my radar, my bullshitometer radar, is up on some of these criticisms really comes down to this. And I alluded to it before. Uh, a thing that has always irked me is everyone when when the question was like, what does what does Putin have on Trump? Is it the P tape? Is it something else? And I always find that to be like over worrying about it. And this is where being a New Yorker and being from New York City means I do know something the rest of America doesn't know. And the answer is this. Uh, What do Russian oligarchs have over New York City real estate idiots? A lot of money that they want. Like, right. That's now, it. There's other Wait. things. I think I think Trump genuinely does not believe in democracy and genuinely believes in the kind of autocracy or that that Russia has and thinks that's a better system of government. And yes. And I think win. this and but, I think this this is right. I think this has to apply to all of them. Same with like, oh, why does Lindsey Graham? These guys, they like it. 
They yeah. like these people. They like these monsters. Trump They're like, oh, man, I wish Graham. we could do that in our country. This guy's pushing people out of windows and downstairs and people are, yeah. oh, R- Russians are just falling on their knives and shooting themselves 23 times accidentally while they fall out a window down the stairs yeah. and get run over by trucks. I wish we could do that in our country. Like these people like the monsters. Yeah. And it's like, what did Trump have on Lindsey Graham? He won. That's what he has. <laughs> That's what he had. That's he won. Right. <laughs> like, he, he won, won the presidency. And he won voters Lindsey Graham needs. So he's like, all right, this guy may like literally like, again, I don't love the over deification in my view of John McCain, but he was probably the only one of them who was like, no, democracy is good. That's right. <laughs> and said that to his dying day. Uh, and I think that's what has my radar up with all this criticism. It's as much, you know, yes, some of it's normal politics, but it, a lot of it does feel like, you know, you've got a bunch of Republicans who are going to be running for election in 2024 uh, who are going to need money. And it's going to be funneled by some some internet cafe in Moscow. <laughs> sure, but let's let's also take a look at the look. I know that it's a knock on him that you know all these visits are photo ops, right? These are manufactured, and this is a photo op, and that's absolutely right. You have to look at what the photo ops purpose is. Biden isn't just in Ukraine because he's doing a photo op for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's in Ukraine because. Zelensky needs the world to see how much the U.S. stands with Ukraine against Russian aggression. Mm. This is this this is a message to the world to say, hey, we're the winning cause here. We have the U.S. and God on our side. You know, that's why Joe Biden's there. Um, Joe Biden, no one. Joe Biden doesn't need to rally the world's support for East Palestine. He doesn't need to go there and yeah. say, hey, guys, we need to funnel more money. As the president of the United States, he is funneling the federal support and money that, that East Palestine needs at yeah. the request of the governor. So the, the federal government's doing their job, whether we see them or not. We we know. We, guess what? When when they announce whatever rebuilding uh, project is going to happen there and uh, when they reopen a train station, they, they have you know some big press conference. Joe Biden's going to be there. Uh, promoting the money that the federal government gave that yeah. state, and um, he will Vance be there will, then. <laughs> That's Jamie right. Vance he will be there to accept the check, as um, he said. I'll see you at the groundbreaking. But uh, um. <laughs> but I think like so with that in my like that's that's where a little bit of my like some of it's normal politics some of it is you know that autocratic worldview that they're on board with and they they quietly support putin some of them not so quietly they're uh, out loud supporting him i mean you I, have look you, i'm sorry you have you have prominent members of the republican party who are lunatics like marjorie taylor green you can't say that she's an outlier she's a chairman of a committee yeah, and she's she, she and she's on she's on Fox News every night saying that um, Ukraine, uh, you know, is uh, uh, not only a worthless cause that that it's uh, that it's corrupt and they're they're promoting this whole thing of Biden being incompetent and blundering us into some sort of war. This has been, by the way, this has been one of the most successful U.S. foreign policy excursions in probably 30 years. Yeah, we're not like we've helped out the right side. (laughs) The right side is mostly winning. We've lost probably zero lives. Like 
maybe one or two incredibly attractive Americans who look like Russians who were sent by the CIA there as five. <laughs> and God bless them. They gave their best for their country. A couple uh, of, uh, hey man, there's a whole, there's a whole squad of these very well-trained quote unquote Ukrainian fighters. One of my favorite, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things about, I've learned about foreign policy. It's like, or about not foreign policy, espionage. And like, there's a lot of intricate uh, complexities and yet also like uh, a, a colleague of mine who used to work in espionage brought up a really important thing. Remember uh, a couple months ago when a bunch of people quit Twitter and then Elon Musk very like put up a, a photo yes. of everyone still at work. And he he highlighted, he's like, have you noticed how many of those uh, uh, Indian, Asian and Russian looking <laughs> people are incredibly so attractive? Like, so attractive. Those are the spies. <laughs> those are, yeah. those, right. It's fake. That's the photo op. That's those the are the people right. who are those like, are yeah, no, I'm still happy to work here at Twitter. We're not mining data for, for the KGB, sir. And what we are saying is never trust attractive people. Yeah, that's why I never was one. Uh, <laughs> that's the only thing keeping me. That's the only thing holding me back. You can trust this. Uh, yeah, you can trust this face that looks like it briefly looked into the Ark of the Covenant and then looked away real quick. <laughs> Just a glance. Um, so I want to ask one last thing. You've been in war zones. You've been in, you've been in, uh, uh, you've served our country. Thank you for your service, by the way. It was very nice of you. Uh, there's nothing I love more. Uh, you were out there fighting for my freedom to sleep in late and, uh, and yeah, I appreciate it. But I think it's easy to get cynical about a presidential photo op in a war zone. And I was thinking about this this past Monday, like, yes, it's technically not our war zone, but when Biden arrived, like how how proud I was. And then I thought about I am a partisan hack about how, like, alternatively, with the exception of maybe one president in my lifetime, whenever I saw other presidents in war zones, I was like, just a photo op. It doesn't mean anything, but it does mean a lot to the people in service. Does it not when the president shows up, possibly even when one of those presidents is a former reality TV show host? Look, <laughs> like, look, not only not only uh, does it mean a lot, whether it's a photo op or not, like, you know, Bush Bush traveled there. Um you know, you had uh, uh, President Obama traveled there. Um, you know, when, whenever, whenever a, a, a high-ranking official, the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, um, you had uh, the the Chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff would show up. You know, anytime someone showed up to say, "Hey, we're here," that did mean a lot to the people on the ground. You know, politics aside, um, and so that's what that's for. But let me just add this. This isn't the typical war zone. This is actually more dangerous for a president to go to a war zone that's not our war zone because we, the United States, don't control the area. We don't control the security. There's a lot of variables. And I love that the biggest knock on Biden from the right wing made him seem even more badass because they're like, this is highly reckless and dangerous. The guy could get shot. It's like, yeah. guys, you're making him seem like James Bond. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, I, man, I thought it was cool before, but now I think it's awesome that he showed up. Holy yeah. shit. No president before has made a trip like this ever, ever. I mean, an 80-year-old <laughs> who is dressed like he's going to the to the yacht club every time he goes out. I'm worried about this. Yeah. Seems like the most badass guy alive all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm worried about this guy walking upstairs and this guy's landing in a combat zone. With his fucking aviators, like the U.S. is here. We're like, fuck yeah, Joe Biden. And then he gets on a train. Are you kidding me? Joe Biden stepping on a train is like Namor touching water. Okay, <laughs> that is when he's at his most powerful. Okay, but like, and let's talk about that for a second. Like, that's another thing. Like, you're in his you know, world now, my friend. Rail travel in a war zone is probably also 
uh, a risk. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you have like normally you have to fly through the air, but we don't control the airspace, so it's more. So they couldn't send him up there to yeah. get shut down. So he has to travel by. Are you kidding me? This but is an like it's fun to know, victory. Like, Putin is a lot of bad things. He's not that dumb. I guarantee you. The minute he was like, he's getting on a train. Like, get everyone to get those bombs off that track. <laughs> I don't need killing. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. So? I, he he would absolutely. The thing that caught him by surprise, and again, the surprise visit, I think this is why Republicans are so mad, is he didn't know till it was too late. He didn't know yeah. till it was after oh, yeah, it was happening. So, then, yeah. so he's like, oh, we could have blown him up. Are you kidding? I, you know, I bombed those. Yeah, I, bombed I am. You think China's going to protect me if I kill yeah. a president? No. <laughs> what am I? What am I paying all those assholes in Congress for? They're supposed <laughs> to know this shit. Yeah. I helped get McCarthy elected speaker for this, so I, I didn't, didn't know that Joe Biden is on a train. I didn't buy two hundred and twenty-two of the dumbest Americans to not know. Joe Biden was here. If you really want to know why Republicans are freaking out, is because one of them is on the chopping block. Yeah, someone's like, someone's gonna, someone's yeah. in big fucking trouble. Let me tell you, they didn't get the information fast enough. It to is their not lost on me that I feel like the conversation about whether or not they should get rid of George Santos got a lot louder this week. <laughs> They're like, like all of them were like, you could tell from like the extreme right to the extreme middle of the GOP. Yeah, we're both like. Just give him Santos. <laughs> yeah. This is our moment. This is our moment. Two birds, one stone, because someone's oh. got to pay for this fuck up. Oh, man. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. Uh, that's well. all I think about. <laughs> yeah. All you think about is, is Vladimir Putin watching C-SPAN. <laughs> Being like, what am I paying these Larry. assholes for? Yeah. Do, you know how much, do you know how much money I had to pump into fucking Colorado so that Lauren Boebert could squeak by? You think Jesus I want to talk to Kevin McCarthy? No one wants to talk to Kevin McCarthy. I was in the KGB. Talking to Kevin McCarthy is the most painful thing I've ever done in my life. He's got like he's got fucking generals coming and being like, uh, Paul Gosar is on the phone again. He's like, uh, tell him, uh, tell him, uh, I'm uh, in meeting. I'm in meeting. Was Gosar no. calling to tell me about the president landing. <laughs> Ugh, these are this plane. is this is my A team. Oh, we are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like I could have had Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> I like my Putin's more of a Dracula. Uh, <laughs> I want to take your Crimea. Uh, oh man, uh, this is a delightful conversation. Thank you as always. It's always good to have you because you explain this stuff in a way that I can't like that. I think I'm right, and then you confirm it every time. <laughs> I I like just uh, yeah. Anytime I can confirm your inherent bias, I am uh, I'm I happy to be that. here. It's yeah, it's good to know that I'm right and that the Democrats are doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, it's called look, the one military guy I know. Uh, look, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that people can have about like, do we do the right th in this instance? You know, yeah. I, I, wholeheartedly, full, full throated support. Yeah, this is the right that we are on the right side of this one. We are yeah. absolutely on the right side of this one in a way that it's not that you usually don't get the opportunity to be this right on the world stage. Yeah. And if you look back on it, like this is not not that I'm saying that we are on the road to World War Three. I, I, I mean, I'm, I think we always kind of are. Uh, but when you look back, this is what FDR was quietly doing before Pearl Harbor. And right. he had to be quiet about it because the United States of America was like, no, we can't get involved in this in this conflict. Like, you know, that this is not only right, but like we're at a place a lot of people will talk about how America's doomed and there's some rightness to that. But 
I do think that, you know, like I, 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 I think the American people are a better and smarter people than we give them credit for. And all you need to look at is like, everyone always talks about the world war two generation as the greatest yeah. generation until Pearl Harbor. The majority of this country was like, this Hitler guy seems to be doing what he wants to do. And I don't think we should get involved. And I think that half of the United States is like, yes, we should stand up to Putin. Probably more than half. And look, uh, look, this is a good thing, you know, and this is responsibly, not in a way this that is, becomes war. This is an important point to also make and i'd like to also make this because one of russia's top the, the only other world power in the world that really is an ally of russia at this point is china mm -hmm. and even china because of our aggressive stance on this china has a lukewarm support of russia yeah. at best because they're like look these guys aren't fucking around i mean there's also a reason that like a week before the state of the union joe biden's shooting down spy planes yeah and it's the same reason that to rally support for for against the uh, Japanese army and the the Nazi army, Pearl Harbor was the spark. It was right. an attack by the Japanese. Okay, yeah. we were under threat from the Japanese because half the country leading up to World War II was like, I like Nazis. Let's hold a rally in Madison yeah. Square Garden. <laughs> My neighbor's German. Uh yeah. so, so, so I think yeah. that there's also, you know, part of the Republican support for Russia is you don't get more Caucasian than the place that owns the Caucasus. Okay. <laughs> like, like this is, this is, this is the cradle of Caucasian. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, in terms of like a white ethnic uh, state, Russia yeah. is it. So there's, 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 there's that like yeah. unseemly the aspect. GOP would love it for China to be reckless. And here's the thing, like so, China's like, I think an important thing to know about China's relationship with Russia, how much is that geographical? Because like if China was on the other side of the world, they'd be like, who gives a shit about Russia? But they're right next door. No, but that's and right. But China's they, but they also to... always like, I think particularly in this situation, treated uh, Russia very much the way that like the normal character on a sitcom treats the character that you're all like, why are they friends with this guy? That's right. Uh, he's like, China's been like a lot of like, like, listen, we get it. Russia's tough, but let's not go to war. war. Yeah, And exactly. then Russia, they're like, I think America's serious. <laughs> so that's so that's why so that's why something like Joe Biden being in Ukraine on the ground with the president, it shows the world because again, we're trying to show this not just the strength of the United States, we're trying to show how serious we are about backing Ukraine in this conflict. And that's a sign to countries like China, like guys. This 80-year-old fucking guy who can't walk upstairs is standing in the middle yeah. of, of Ukraine with aviators and an American eagle flying over his shoulder. Like, let's <laughs> let's uh, take a beat and maybe not go after Taiwan next year. I want to um, be fair. We talked about this last week on the show. I think he can walk upstairs. I think he's <laughs> smart and with it enough as an 80-year-old to be like, that's not worth the risk. <laughs> that's, like, why, no, that's, that's why. That's why. That to me, by the way, is the mental competency test for every elected over 75. They see a flight of stairs and they go. Not nope. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Don't need to get me. I don't an need to take that risk. All right, um, Benari, this has been a terrific yeah. conversation. Thank you. We're gonna have to have to have I to appreciate end it. it there. Uh, anything to plug before we before we hop off? Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, just follow me on the whatever is left of social media at Benari Lee anywhere that social medias can be found. I guess. Yeah. Hey, Twitter's <laughs> hanging in there again on the back of of a group of plucky young spies from other countries who want to. It's mine too data. big to. It's too big to fail. There's too many Russian bots keeping it afloat. Yeah. Hey, thank you, Russia. Thank you for keeping the only place where I'm famous above water. <laughs> uh, That's right. um, 
And yes, as I said at the top of the show, but I'll kick it out one more time, just in case you forgot. Monday, March 6th, Gotham Comedy. I'll be doing stand-up because that's what I do now. Ugh. Uh, and uh, Friday, March Welcome. 31st. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> I waited until, I like to say, I waited until I had actual life failures to talk about. To come back that's to. where the best comedy comes from. I tried it in my 20s and oh, I'm right. 23 and I have no student debt and I'm white. We're not nearly enough to joke. You should that. listen to my opinion about Let me tell you about why I think girls should date me. Uh, (laughs) Boy, I was wrong about everything back then. Um, uh, And Friday, March 31st, again, we will be with our pals at Crossroads Comedy Theater for uh, for the Class Clowns Comedy Fest. That's going to be a great show. Uh, Our friends from DTF, the Daryl and Timbery Fun Hour, are doing a show uh, that Friday. Our friends from Study Hall, which Robert George and I have been uh, uh, honored to be a part of a couple times are going to be doing, I believe, their 10th anniversary show uh, that that Saturday night. Uh, if you're in Philadelphia, come on out. If you're not in Philadelphia, it's easy to get there. Joe Biden just takes the train and he's boom, right at 30th Street. So it's going to be a great festival. Plays and Players Theater weekend of March 31st. Uh, and you can always find me uh, on uh, Twitter at Brennanator, on Instagram at Brennanator Graham. Thank you as always, my buddy Ned Thorne for helping me put these together. And thank you to Joanne Harris for uh, 10 years ago now, uh, making a show theme song that still works. We'll be back next week. And at that point, I may finally have a sign off. Bye.